The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Well, hello, Refuge Church. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, I know you might not recognize me. I haven't been up here in some time. But you still should listen to me simply because I have a microphone. Now, we're, uh, we are going to pass out some Father's Day gifts beforehand that Megan made for everyone. We, we thought doing it now would be good because we know with little ones, fathers and mothers have to leave early sometimes. And so if you are a dad, you want them to stand up or just raise your hands, stand up, wave your arms, whatever you want to do, <clears throat> and you will be given a... Yeah. Thank you, Megan. This is amazing. I, I see some... If it entices anyone, I see some beef jerky attached to the outside of it. Awesome. Keep those hands high, guys. Keep those hands high. There's one thing I do know about being a father is that you get stronger. You know, you just carry on these like 30-pound weights in your arms. So I, I trust your ability to raise your arms. Okay, man, well, it is good to be here with you on, on Father's Day. And we're going to keep cruising through the book of Ephesians. And it's uh, appropriate, as really just where we land today is a prayer to our Heavenly Father that Paul offers. So um, before we do that, I'm going to give a time for a prayer of confession. Um, I will offer one, and then I'll just give you some time for silence that you can come before God yourself, bring him what you experienced this week, things you said, did, things from your life you just want to lay at his feet, and so we can come with a ready heart to hear his word. So Father, I pray that This morning, your holiness will pervade this place. It says that you are light and in you there is no darkness. And that doesn't feel super approachable for us who live in a dark world. It gets on us sometimes, stains us, even us who are children of God, children of the light, God, we, we live here. And, and so we come before you today and just say, we want all of you, God. We want you to fill us and shine through us. God, we want to be a light in this dark place. We can only do that with your forgiveness and the courage that comes through putting faith in your death and resurrection. Go ahead and take some time just to offer your own confessions to God and then we'll begin together.
God. Thank you for your, your grace, your never-ending, unstoppable love that invites us always closer, always ready to forgive. We thank you for that. Amen. <clears throat> God is calling us to be a different kind of people, a holy people. Holiness is a quality that uniquely belongs to God. Being a different people means that our primary identity is part of God's holy family. In the book of Ephesians, Paul gives us instructions on how to live as holy people in a world that often doesn't like our kind of different. And one of the ways we do different is the way we approach marriage. In a marriage relationship, which I've got to learn, be on that fast track, that university level education of marriage the last couple of years, you know, Hannah and I uh, are approaching our third anniversary in October, and we just, we were like, it's just, it seems crazy, we have two kids and we're not having a third anniversary yet. So we, we've uh, learned a lot, experienced a lot. And there's a, there's a real difference between the love that you at least expect to experience in marriage and the love that you expect to exchange with your children. Now, in the covenant of marriage, you expect an equal exchange between two people who have willingly and vulnerably said, we're going to give ourselves to one another. No holds back. And yet when it gets held back, that leads to frustration and oftentimes a shutting down the relationship because there is an expectation of mutual exchange. If I'm loving you but you're not loving back, if I you know, massaged your feet and you didn't massage mine, whatever that is, if that's not reciprocal, you can start shutting down. Now, there's no room for that in the expectations of being a parent. <laughs> no room for that. When you expect to love as a parent, you don't expect when you give words of affirmation or make a delicious meal, love, marinara sauce, mushrooms, meat. You don't necessarily expect for that to be cherished. It's a better expectation, it's a smarter expectation to expect that marinara sauce to be the new color of your walls, Right? <laughs> It's a, it's a different expectation, different exchange. The love of a parent does not respond in kind to the actions of a child. A anger, well, it shouldn't, okay? Anger, shrieking, disobedience. Now, when you're at like, you know, playing at, you know, level A as a parent, you're not going to respond in kind. You're going to respond hopefully, Lord willing, in kindness, calmness, patience. Now, that isn't always the case. But we just, we know what that is going to look like. I've found one of the things that comes out of our mouths the most, Hannah and my mouth, as we raise Elliot and now Evangeline, and especially these times when, when Elliot is most defiant and most disobedient, is the thing we say is, Elliot, do you know how much I love you? There's not a lot you can say, and, and some of that is simply a reminder to yourself. <laughs> I do love you, and that's why, oh boy, that's why, right? You're like, this is, this is how much we love you. And this is what we unpack here in Ephesians 
chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, is God communicating through the prayer of Paul, who is asking that we would understand God's love. What we are seeing here is God really saying, communicating, do you know how much I love you? The expectation, because we're children of God, it would be great if we were reciprocal, right? That as much as God loved us, we loved him back. That is not the way it works. We are children and God is our heavenly father. One theologian, he he says this, and I love it. He says, uh, who has not read and reread the closing verses of the third chapter of Ephesians with the feeling of one permitted to look through parted curtains into the holiest place of the Christian life? We really get this, this exposure in these verses to see the wow of who God is and who he is for us. And it, and it really um, fits beautifully into what I've said since, the, since we started the book of Ephesians, which was, This is all about two things, which is understanding our new identity in God and the implications of that identity. So our big question today is, do you know how much God the Father loves you? Do you know how much? Just imagine that's like Hannah and I telling this to Elliot. Do you know how much you're loved? The big idea is simply faith for a Christian is finding out more and more about God's love. It's pretty simple. <laughs> Finding out more and more and more, and there is no end to that ocean. When we've been there for 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, there's no less days to sing his praise than when we first began. There will be more to sing, because there's more to be discovered in that never-ending love, which we learn of here, that there is no width or length or height or depth to it. This is faith, finding out more and more and more about God's love. So, if you have your Bibles or simply want to read on the screen, uh, Ephesians 14, uh, 3, 14 to 21. Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide how and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So Paul starts with a simple sentence that kind of throws us back to what he's already covered for this reason. And the reason that Pat unpacked and then Ibrahim impact, and we've, we've been in that train for a while, kind of since the beginning, is reconciliation. The reason Paul writes so confidently about the love of God, and the love of God is for you who come by faith to God in Christ Jesus, is that you, whether you are Jew or Gentile, slave or free, you have been restored to relationship through God. For this reason, I can write these things. 
that you can have a relationship with God. God is doing something so good and so mold-breaking in saying that everybody can come to me. Everybody can come to me. That's what God has said over and over again. It's by grace you've been saved through faith. This isn't of yourself. This is a gift of God. (laughs) Everybody can come for this reason. Paul writes these things. And instead of just writing it as a charge, he writes it as a prayer because there's some things that only prayer can do. Amen? There are some things that you just need to stop talking and start praying. There there are times in a marriage you just need to stop talking and start praying. There are times when when you're like, you know, we're not going to rationalize our way through this. You're seeing something this way, I'm seeing something, and we're just going to go, oh God, help us unpack this. Because it's immeasurably more. It's greater than, it's always bigger than our minds can fathom, especially us who have been entrenched in our slavish way of thinking. When we've been so entrenched by the way of thinking that, that God could never, we're too far away, we're too far gone, whatever that is, Paul's like, I'm going to pray that God will break through that. Because his love is better than you can ever imagine. And he starts his prayer praying in the way Jesus prayed, Father. He says, Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I think it's a really clumsy translation. I think it's better if you'd say, Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth. He's saying, we are one family now. Jews, Gentiles, we're one family. So when he says every, it really should just be whole. The whole family of God in heaven and on earth derives its name name, heaven and earth, meaning those that have gone before us, those we've loved who have passed away, those who have lived by faith, exploring the love of God, and those who are living. We all derive our name here from this Father. And this Father, the one that maybe we're scared to approach, is the one who's so delighted to have us in his presence. And as I thought about this, I thought of A picture immediately came to mind, which I want to share. I believe we have it up here. One of the most iconic pictures uh, of the Oval Office is JFK with his son, John, peeking through the door at the president's desk. Isn't this a delightful picture? But the one I actually like more is the one that was taken after this, which is him pulling him up onto his chair. Father. This is what we pray when we pray, Father, holy is your name, Father. This is it, the president, Oval Office. I love these stories of different dads. Lincoln was one also who, no matter what meeting he was in, if his son came in the room, he'd always welcome him. Priority. And this is the way the Father, Heavenly Father, prioritizes us. There's no office too great that the role of Father doesn't reach down to lift up their child. Good dads do that. Amen? Amen. And this is the prayer. Thank you, Marika. This is the prayer that Paul now prays. That out of his glorious riches, the glorious riches of one who is richer and greater than any president, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. 
And he prays that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ and to know that love that surpasses knowledge. Now, the first thing he prays for is strength or power. That out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And I, <clears throat> it really is important for us as we approach this verse that we, we redefine some of the ways we understand terms. Riches, power. When he's talking about riches here, he's not talking about um, money. Yeah, he's not talking about this material. Now, now everything is the Lord's, right? Now, if you were to imagine, like, classic scene, Lion King, Mufasa raises Simba up, says, you know, one day all this will be yours. Now, one day all this will be ours. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, but that is not what's being talked about when he talks about the, the riches and the wealth of the Father. The legacy of God that we see in Christ Jesus passed on to us I think really can be broken down into faith, hope, and love. There's no greater riches than that. There's, these things are things that, it says in the scripture that, that um, uh, thieves can't steal, dust can't destroy. These things are eternal. And that we are inheritors of these things. We're inheritors with Christ, Romans 8. Because we've been reconciled to God. These things that are eternal and that are the portal, are the pathway to all other things being ours in Christ Jesus. And that he would strengthen us in our inner being so that we can be people that begin to comprehend love. I love this. Strengthened in our inner being as he's like building out this cathedral in our hearts for him. There's a a children's book called uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. If you haven't read it, read it. It's great. And um, the quote in that is, isn't it odd that we can only see our outside, but nearly everything happens on the inside? That's wise. <laughs> isn't that interesting? Isn't it odd we can only see our outside, but nearly everything happens on the inside? That's life. How much do we invest in this stuff? Look better, drive a nicer car, whatever the step up is for us. That's all happening on the outside, but most of what happens, faith, hope, love, reconciled to God, that's all happening on the inside. I thought of this yesterday when we were at a church in Seattle, and it was a very hip church, uh, they kind of restored an old, restored an old warehouse, and, and we were in there and for a wedding. And my niece, Lena, she says, "This doesn't look like a church." And I go, "Lena, you know I pastor a church in a coffee shop. It doesn't it look like a church." What she's saying: these appearances, isn't it odd that appearances mean very little? <laughs> but what's happening inside? That we would be strengthened. In the inner person. Now, one theologian actually thought this should be capitalized, that we should be strengthened in the inner person being Jesus, that he is. Whenever we talk about the inner person, it's actually Christ in us, the hope of glory, which I think is actually beautiful. Because when we are strong, we are courageous, it's not because we have been set up for being on our own. 
It's that we have been set up to be united with Christ. We'd be strengthened in that way because it's only in Christ with Jesus continually saying over and over and over and over and over again, do you know how much I love you? And us over and over and over again doubting that over and over and over again. And Jesus going, do you know how much I love you? So when we are strengthened in the inner person, it isn't so we can be like, eventually just be on our own and like, yeah, on my own, I'm loving back really well. It never happens apart from being united with Christ, that indwelling, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The faith that allows us to be on this adventure of loving God. And I already mentioned this, but Colossians 1.27, to them the church God has chosen to make uh, among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery known, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. But how many of us treat God... How many of us treat Jesus like an on-again, off-again relationship? Sometimes we're gushing on the phone, and sometimes we're giving the cold shoulder. Sometimes it's all about him, and sometimes it's not about him at all. That is what it's like for us. The evidence that gives is that we are inwardly weak, not inwardly strong. So we must pray to be strengthened in our inner beings. This so often happens in any relationship. When we marry or have kids, we find that our hearts are not as strong or ready to hold another person as we thought they were, right? No matter what romantic notions, excitement we have, I'm all in promises and vows that we make, we are not as strong as we think we are. We aren't. I mean, you know, it's... It's interesting with the child, it's like you're, you, they, their existence so much depends on you. <laughs> Everything, right? Like, uh, eating without you. And yet it is so hard to continually open up and be selfless so they can live. We're not as strong as we think we are. How does this happen? It happens through faith. Faithfulness. Learning to lean on God. Faith is not a one and done like we oftentimes treat it as. I committed to follow Jesus back in 19 whatever or I remember in college and I committed to Jesus by faith. That doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It grows from there. That you are strengthened more and more in your inner person. You are strengthened more and more in your inner person or in the hiddenness of your own heart you are growing weaker but your appearance maintains. It's a scary place to be. It's a scary place to be that after years and years, maybe you come to church hollow and this just doesn't mean anything anymore or you come to your marriage and you've said things, but you don't mean them anymore because that's what's happening on the inside. Isn't it odd that that is what matters? Not what's on the outside, what's happening on the inside. So how do we recover? How do we recover this? Well, This is what Paul says next. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with the Lord's holy people to grasp his love. Being rooted and established. He borrows these interesting like mixed metaphors. One being botanical and the other architectural. Rooted, having deep, deep, deep roots. Continuing to deep, dig deeply into the love of God and having a firm foundation. This is where the rest of your life is built. It's not a one and done, but your faith, your conversation, the way you live and what you see, what you involve yourself in is 
growing deeper and building firmer on him, that we may grow together in this and grasp and know love. Love. Yesterday, um, my nephew, you know, nephews and nieces are always good for memorable things, they say. And, and Titus was like, why are we here? We had showed up to the wedding an hour early. And he's uh, like, why are we here? <laughs> and I go, you like the wedding? And his dad goes, no, he's like, philosophically, like, why are we on planet Earth? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm actually preaching about that tomorrow. Love, that you would know, that you'd be strengthened in your inner person to know how wide and long and deep and high is the love of God. Now, now, you and I, we're too old to believe that, right? We're too jaded. We've seen it fail too many times. Like We know the story doesn't end like that, or you can see it coming, right? You're going to have that ending, of course. And that's why Paul is like, guys, you need, you need to like get shocked back into the reality of God's love. There is no way to exaggerate how great God's love is. He uses something that simply can point at it, but can't define it. There's no way to grasp how wide, long, deep, high is the love of God. It surpasses knowledge. That's how great God's love is for you. And it isn't, it isn't just philosophical. It's not just fancy thinking. It's real and it's for you. I don't think there's a, a, a better story that's told to help us understand the true story, which is that God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the true story. But the way he tells it, because you're not going to believe him, is in Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal son, where over and over again, the son doubts the father's love, doubts the goodness of the father, and the father does not stop giving. All I have is yours. Over and over. It is painful to read that story. If you read that story and you have any experience in life, it is a painful story to read. And you find moments in the story where you're like, that's too far. That's too far. Kick him out. Like, let him learn some hard lessons. But the father goes, no, you're mine. Come back. I want you. Do you know how much I love you? That is the story of the prodigal son. And that is John 3.16. That's the story of the scripture. The arc of scripture is the fall to God just planning and plotting when he can send Jesus because he loves you so much and wants you to be reconciled to him and be restored to relationship with him. That's the Bible. Amen? Amen. That's it. That's it. You would know how wide, long, high, deep is the love of God and this love that surpasses knowledge. That, that means like when you get to the end of your understanding, it goes further. When you are cynical and jaded and critical, guys, you're not even touching love at that point because it is real, it is true, and it's proven in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now to him, this is the benediction he gives at the end, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, you don't even know how to ask about it. Wow. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory 
in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Man, do you know how much God loves you? And to that, you have to say no. You have no idea. I don't either. But faith is that journey of discovering just how good God's love is. And so I have no other application for you this week than to, by faith, dig into discovering that love more and more. Guys, some of our hearts have made what this is, reconciled the relationship with God, all about rules, something we have to do next. And, and love is full of action. But love, when you are loved, is also full of resting. You are so loved by God, you get to be in his presence and let him restore you to understanding. He loves you in your doubt. He loves you in your questions. He loves you wherever you are because it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift from him. And he loves, loves, loves giving that gift. Mm. Amen. Man, you can just sit in that for a while, huh? I'm going to pray first, and then we're going to take communion. And communion is remembering Jesus on the night he would be betrayed, knowing that they had no idea how much he loved them. But him washing their feet, really saying, you know how much I love you? He broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Same way taking the cup, he said, this cup... You don't see it yet, but this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you take this, do this in remembrance of me. And so I invite you today to do that. If you do not yet put your faith in Jesus, I invite you to to not take it yet. His love is for you. He just invites you to take that by faith. 